Hey, TapCast listeners. I have a quick announcement before we get started. In the March episode, I'm going to sit down with another TA Project Program Coordinator, and we're going to answer your questions. These questions can range anything from how to write effective exams and how to engage students doing group work to how to balance teaching and research as a graduate student TA. You can submit questions on our website at tap.ruckers.edu slash tapcast-form.php. Alternatively, you can tweet at us. Our Twitter handle is at TA underscore project. Use the hashtag TA question. Or if you use the anchor.fm app, uh, you can actually record a question and send that to us. uh, And then we can play your question on the episode when we answer it. I'm looking forward to hearing all of your questions. And without further ado, let's get to the episode. today's episode of TapCast. I'm your host, Chloe Wurzeniak. In today's episode, I talked to Kevin Siegerman about the role of the instructor. We discuss the various roles that instructors take on, as well as roles that, as graduate TAs, we take on outside of the classroom. Uh, we discuss balancing the roles that you're excited about and trying to handle the roles that we are forced into, but that we are maybe less excited about. Uh, Finally, Kevin gives some advice for balancing teaching and research. Let's get started. So tell us a little bit about your background and your current role at Rutgers. Well, I am a, my name is Kevin Sigerman, first of all. I am a graduate student in the English department here at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. I'm in my seventh and hopefully final year. <laughs> that's, the, that's the plan. And I've been teaching here at Rutgers for the last six years. So the only year I wasn't teaching was my first year. And I've been teaching ever since. And I've also taught a uh, summer course. And uh, And then in addition to that, I've... I've been working with the TA project now for four years as a program coordinator and, uh, you know, various other administrative roles around campus, as we tend to do. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So today we're talking about this this workshop that you've you've designed, you've run a few times, is the role of the instructor. So so when we say role of the instructor, what what does that mean? I mean, is it the role to instruct? Well, first of all, Instructing itself entails filling a variety of roles, right? Because uh, when you're an instructor, part of what you're doing is imparting information and skills to your students, but you're also evaluating them and criticizing them, hopefully constructively, right? That's the idea. Uh, but you do have to, you have to be a critic. You have to be an evaluator. Um, you have to be a motivator at times. You have to, you also are, just by virtue of standing in front of the class, you are a representative of the university and you are a representative of your department, uh, which is something I'll actually circle back to. So, so being an instructor actually entails filling a lot of different roles. And you'll find that as an instructor, you need to fill different roles roles at different times and so sometimes it's important to be a critic but obviously you can't be a critic all the time you also have to be a motivator sometimes and so so 
you know, the word instructor includes a lot of other things. Can you give us some examples of things? I mean, you've already given us quite a few examples of, of roles uh, within the instructor title, um, but could you give us some examples that maybe are not always the first thing that comes to our mind? Well, I'm going to circle back to what I said a second ago then. Okay. Um, the, so representative of your department, or what I actually like to say is representative of your field. And this is one of my favorite ones that I think we forget about often, because in a lot of different fields, you are likely to be the first person from that field that a student may have encountered in their lives, right? So if you are a sociologist, you might very well be the first sociologist that a lot of your students have ever met. Interesting. They may not even know what it means to be a sociologist, right? And so yeah. you have you become, you know, the sort of prototypical or, or stereotypical sociologists in the mind of your students. And I think we forget about that, that we're actually representing a field when we stand up in front of the classroom like that. And so it's important for us, A, to understand that they probably don't understand what we're doing, right? And so we have to make sure that we are explaining to them not only how, you know, I'm in the English department, so I need to explain not only how do we do literary criticism, but what does it mean to be a literary critic, right? Because, of course, by the end of the semester, the goal is that all of the students in the class will, to some extent, now be able to also be a literary critic, right? And so you're both representing your field, but you're also helping to incorporate them at least temporarily into that field, um, which I think helps give them a sense of ownership over the material that they're working with, right? Um, and, uh, and also gives them a sense of what that broader field looks like. And maybe some of them will want to join that field professionally, um, but you know, even if that's not the case, they'll at least walk away knowing a little bit more about what it means to work in mathematics, sociology, English, chemistry, whatever it happens to be. So I think it's really important when we walk into a classroom for the first time to understand that that is one of the roles that we are of necessity occupying. Right. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about the fact that, like, we might be the first person right. representing it's, that. It's interesting, interesting to think about. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, it probably happened to all of us as well. I mean, and this is in particular for people who might be taking a class for fun or just to fulfill a distribution requirement. They're not necessarily uh, going to major in that field or even maybe take any other classes in it. They might be taking that one class just to satisfy a requirement. And so they're getting a little glimpse of, of what that field looks like. And it's important for us to, un to remember that we are representing that field regardless, right? And so, uh, <laughs> so it, you don't want the students to walk away thinking this field is boring, this field is unnecessary, this field is, you know, too complicated. Like you want students to walk away thinking, hmm, that's interesting. I don't necessarily want to do that, but I'm glad there are people out there doing that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so, okay, so we have a representative of your field. We have, you know, a hopefully constructive critic. We have motivator, all these things. Um, as an instructor, how do you balance so many different hats? Right, so that is the challenging part in the sense that um, of all these roles that you fill, some of them 
are a little bit out of your control, or at least uh, like, for example, the one that I like to give as, as an example of this is Enemy. That's obviously mm-hmm. not a role you want to fill, but that yeah. is that is a role that students will sometimes force you into, at least in their minds, right? Um, whether it was because you're, you know, asking them to do a lot of work uh, at a time when they maybe don't want to, or if it's because you gave them a, a poor grade on something that they think they deserved a better grade, they will sometimes cast you in that role of enemy. <laughs> and they might walk in on the first day already thinking of you that way, right? Because mm-hmm. if their previous experiences, you know, may have taught them to think of the classroom as an adversarial space where the instructor is their adversary and they're going to be doing battle with you all semester. And on the one hand, that's not necessarily something you can control at first. On the other hand, you can try to do things to make sure that uh, to, to either help students to see you differently from that, right? Or to prevent students from seeing you that way, even when you have to be tough on them, right? Even when you have to give those those poor grades or assign those difficult projects, um, you know, and there are things you can do, practical things to make sure that they don't fall into that that point of view. So if you're giving a difficult assignment, make sure you explain what is the point of the assignment, right? You're not just giving them an assignment because that's what professors do. You're giving them this assignment because it's going to help them prepare for the final exam, or it's going to teach them the skills necessary to work in the lab, or whatever it is that is the learning goal, another one of my favorite Mm -hmm. terms, whatever is the learning goal or goals of that assignment, you can explain that to them. So that they understand that, you know, you're not giving this to them because you're vindictive or mean, that there's actually a point, right? Um, So that's one thing you can do. Another thing you can do, and this is actually another role that I think is really important that we forget about sometimes, is make sure you listen to your students, uh, the role of listener. Most of our roles in the classroom are much more focused on us talking, or at least on us directing the conversation. And a lot of students, they might be uh, prone to see you as an enemy if they don't think you're hearing them, right? And so when they come to you with a problem uh, that's affecting their work in some way, uh, you know, I had a family emergency, I had this or that, or, or I just have, you know, I had three different classes schedule exams this week, I'm pulling my hair out, I don't know what to do. Make sure you listen to them, make sure you actually hear what they're saying. It can be easy to, for us to put up a defense when we start to hear that from a student and just say, it doesn't matter, you have to turn it in, you know, I don't want to hear any excuses, you had time, etc. And certainly sometimes that's true. But there are other times where if we really listen to them, what will come through is the fact that they're actually trying to do well. And there are other circumstances that are making that especially difficult. And so, um, so I'll throw in one more role here, uh, if I can continue rambling a bit for a minute. Um, and that is a pragmatist, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, you know, maybe that's sort of loosely defining the term role, but, um, I think we often think of ourselves as, you know, uh, we're enforcing a structure, right? There's a structure, there are rules, there are deadlines, there are page limits, there's, you know, and we can get caught up in all of that stuff. And we become the enforcer. That's another role that we fill. And and sometimes we have to do that. It's important. But there are other times where, you know, if a student comes to me and 
is explaining to me why he or she is having difficulty completing an assignment, um, especially if it has to do with external circumstances. I like to make sure I listen to them. And if I'm really getting the sense that they want to do well, they are motivated, they care about the course, they care about the material, a student like that, I tend to be uh, pretty flexible and pragmatic. Again, going back to the learning goal, if an assignment has a particular learning goal that you are aiming at, right? The goal of this assignment is to help students master this skill or uh, you know, learn this body of information. If, if I can come up with a, a workaround for that student that still helps them accomplish that goal, uh, but also allows them, you know, maybe it's as simple as a paper extension because they have three other exams this week. If I can do that, I would prefer to do that because it's just more practical. And if you can talk to the student in the language of practicality, first of all, they love that because they're so unused to it. I, I feel we are enforcer too much and not mm -hmm. practical enough. Um, and so if we say to them, look, here's the deal. You know, you're not you're not gonna be able to get an A on this paper because it's gonna be turned in late. But I'll accept it late. You know, we'll do a grade deduction, but you know, it'll just be a one-letter grade deduction. You could still potentially get a B, which factored into your course grade is not gonna lower it that much, right? If you can talk in the language of let's just be practical about this and see what's gonna work, they really appreciate that, and it actually helps motivate them even more. And so I think being a listener and being a pragmatist are really important roles for us to fill as instructors as well. Yeah, that's really interesting that, that you bring that up. I've had, uh, I had some ideas from actually someone in English. Uh, those same issues uh, carrying over to designing the new semester's course. Uh, and they said that they say something like, oh, up to two of your weekly assignments can mm -hmm. be handed in mm -hmm. a couple of days late uh, because they know that this is going to come right. up for students. And then they let students have that option. I right. think that's really interesting. Absolutely. And, and that goes for you as well. When you're planning out your semester, you have to be practical about absolutely. how things are going to work. Um, you know, it, you know, you, you have to be able to balance your teaching and your research. Mm -hmm. um, and that's important, you know, and and part of the way that you do that is you plan ahead. So if you know that you're going to have a conference one particular week, maybe don't plan a lot of intense grading or classroom activities for that week because you may not be able to give your full attention to it. And that's not going to be good for anybody. Right. Um, another thing is if you can, and this is not always possible, I understand, but if you can build in a couple of blank days on your calendar, I mean, that's a good idea in general, just because snow days or whatever, like there are reasons, you know, you might be really deathly ill at the last minute and not be able to get a sub. Mm -hmm. So it's always good to build in some extra days that you can use for whatever, you know, uh, whatever you might need to, um, because the students are not being well served when you can't devote your full attention to the class, and so you might as well be practical about that too. Yeah, absolutely. And and this brings up a point that if if we broadened the conversation beyond just the role of the instructor, but the role of graduate student instructors, well, now right. you add in like, right? Okay, you have to be prag pragmatic about your research right. and you are a student and that comes with additional roles right and, absolutely oh so many hats <laughs> there are there are there are a lot of hats you know and, and and part of what you have to do as an instructor is you have to think about which hats 
are the, the right, the good ones to wear, mm-hmm. right? Think about which ones are the bad ones to wear that you want to actively avoid. Um, but also another thing that I tell people is think about which ones are best suited to you individually. Because, uh, so for example, one role that we end up playing, whether we want to or not, is friend. Sometimes mm-hmm. students co- sort of almost see us, especially if we're, you know, really relaxed and low key and funny. And, and you know, those are good things to bring to the classroom for mm-hmm. sure. But sometimes students will, uh, you know, they'll tell you things that you don't necessarily need or want to know about what's going on in their lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have a, a TMI moment. Yeah. Um, and you you just have to make sure, you know, that can be a, a, a good role sometimes. Right. Uh, during office hours, for example, when it's one on one and a student is having some personal problems that are interfering with their life, you can certainly take on that role temporarily, right? But then you also have to remember uh, that you can't always be the friend, right? Um, But you also have to think about, does that role suit you? Are you the kind of low-key, casual person who fits into that role comfortably. Mm -hmm. If you're not, that's totally fine, right? You have to figure out what are the roles that play to your particular strengths. Um, You might thrive as an instructor in a more formal role, and that's fine. You have to do whatever's going to make you the best instructor you can be. And so if that's the case, then you need to make sure you keep yourself in that role, right? You find what works for you, and you actively try to uh or you actively you know keep yourself uh in that role or wearing wearing that hat so then for you what sorts of roles do you find are really fit you or really make it rewarding right well um i do tend to use humor you know i I like using humor in the classroom i like i like being pretty casual personally um like for example i personally don't dress up quite as much as some other people. Um, I'm happy to if, if it's appropriate, but you know, over the years I've found myself being a little more casual in the classroom. And I've decided that that's fine for me because I that's actually how I feel most comfortable in the classroom. Other people feel differently, right? Other people find that maintaining that professionalism is really important for them. And that's fine. That's, you know, that's what works for them. And so the key is to figure out which roles you feel most comfortable in and which roles you find to be the most effective for your classroom style. And then actually sort of thoughtfully, actively uh, try to keep yourself in those roles and try to avoid the roles that are more weak spots for you, right? if if uh, if you find yourself being too soft because the students are confiding too much in you, mm-hmm. maybe that's not the role that works for you, right? You know, if you find it hard to to maintain the boundaries and uh, the expectations, uh, then maybe you you know it's good to stay in a more professional sort of you know I don't want to say uptight, but like <laughs> you know what I mean, like yeah. the a more um, you, you you feel yourself to be more of a professional doing a job, and that's mm-hmm. how you find that you get the job done most effectively. Uh, are there any roles that you feel really uncomfortable with or you just really don't find rewarding as part of the job? And if so, how do, how do you deal with that? Oh, well, I mean, you know, some of them are just not rewarding 
across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Enemy, for example, or um, <laughs> Babysitter. That's oh. another rough one mm. that it can be easy to fall into. You know, like for example, if you set a technology policy, and then you just find yourself having to constantly police everyone's technology use in the classroom, that's not a pleasant or Mm -hmm. productive role for anybody, right? I'm not saying don't have a strict technology policy. I'm saying if you're going to have a strict technology policy or any strict classroom policy, figure out how you can enforce that without needing to constantly be, you know, get off your phone. I want everyone to put their laptops away now or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, you shouldn't be needing to say that constantly. So, So there are some roles, I think, that are just not good across the board that I think everyone should be trying to avoid as much as possible. Um... You know, I, uh, in terms of ones that are just particularly for me, I mean, well, I definitely don't like grading. (laughs) And I think I'm probably not alone in that. I think for many people, that's probably their least favorite part Mm -hmm. of the job. Um, It's an important part, obviously. You have to, you know, for me, it's grading papers. And I would pretty much almost rather be doing anything else in the world besides grading papers, but obviously that's important. So, um, so for me, you know, I, I am much more comfortable giving feedback in person, having a one-on-one meeting or even talking to the class about uh, the work that students have done. That I actually enjoy and I find that is more productive for me. Grading, I kind of hate. And so what that, but obviously I have to do it. So what that means is I have to manage that role for myself, right? Um, I have to make sure I acknowledge that if I have to grade more than five papers in a, in a row, I'm going to turn into, you know, (laughs) I'm not going to be my best self if I have to do that. Right. And so that means I need to make sure I schedule out my grading so that I don't, you know, find myself in that situation. Doesn't always happen, but that's the (laughs) ideal. Right. Um, Because that's just not a role that I find comfortable. And so you have to you have to think about, you know, if you find that you are most comfortable in one-on-one meetings with students, which I think is one of the things that I really like to do, that means I end up scheduling more time for that. Not everyone wants to do that. That's a personal decision, but that's where I find I'm most comfortable and am most effective as a teacher, and so I allocate more time for that, right? Other people may find that written comments are where they're able to express themselves most effectively as an evaluator, right, in the role of evaluator. And so for them, they might spend more time grading because they know that they want to write long, thoughtful comments that really gets their point across. So um, so when you find those roles that are necessary but maybe unpleasant for you, think about how best to manage them, how to schedule them, right, um, and just be cognizant of them right make sure you're actually thinking about it and not just because it you know the babysitter role for example it's easy to just fall into that and you can get halfway through a semester and realize like oh my god I've spent you know at least five minutes maybe ten minutes in every class telling people to put their phones away this is not working yeah absolutely um so We've talked a little bit about, um, you know, if this role really makes sense for you, figure out how to emphasize that, and if that role doesn't. Um, but it, it's still a bit of a philosophical kind of conversation. Um, and I'm willing to cut this out, I know I'm putting you on the spot. But what sort of, like, 
practical like we're like okay we're having you know a listener is saying oh this is really interesting like I can name all these roles and I can find you know these are interesting to me how does that conversation then translate into their classroom on a on a practical basis right well I mean this is a a little bit of a more philosophical Mm -hmm. topic right the sort of philosophy of teaching which Mm -hmm. is important to think about absolutely um I think you know one of the ways it it really comes up in your day-to-day life as an instructor is just being aware of the roles you're filling because it is very easy to just fall into them and not really think about them Um, especially if we're you know a lot of us are used to learning how to teach by just doing it right we arrive Mm -hmm. in grad school and we maybe get a little training but then we find ourselves in front of a classroom and Uh, And, you know, time goes by very quickly when you're both in a classroom, um, even when you're even when you're prepping or grading sometimes, even though it doesn't feel that way. But um, and then when you're trying to balance it with your own work and your research, you can get you can go through a lot of time without ever actually having thought about this. Right. And so um, and so be being aware of the role that you're filling at any given time and how you feel about it and how well it's working can then help you make the decisions that I've already kind of been talking about. So, you know, it took me a little time to realize that that one on one interaction was probably my strongest uh, area as a teacher. Right. I just found that that worked for me. And so I started making decisions that affected the rest of my teaching planning that were based on that, right? And in that space, that one-on-one meeting with a student, you will fill roles that you're not going to fill in the classroom. So a mentor, for example, is one of them. Because what will happen, especially, you know, a student has come to you maybe two or three times during office hours, and maybe on that third time, there'll be a pause and then they'll start telling you about what else they're studying and what they want to do. And because they've started to feel comfortable with you, And that's where it's important to be a listener as well, right? Um, You know, you're going to be a listener more in those one-on-one meetings than you are in a classroom because in a classroom you don't have the time, right? In the classroom you have other things you have to get through, right? You have to get through this lecture and then there's an activity and then there's this and that. And so... um, so you have to you have to think about you know what works for me, but also what what is appropriate for the context, and then you can make decisions that affect what activities you do in the classroom or how you schedule your time based on on thinking about that. I realize that's still a little bit on the philosophical <laughs> side, uh, but I, I guess it it the most practical aspect of this has to do with how you allocate your time and mm. how you plan your course. Um, because you should be planning it and allocating your time differently depending on what roles you want to fill, what roles are the most effective for you as an instructor, right? Absolutely. So um, do you what sort of advice do you have for new TAs? And, and this could be related to your roles that they take on, but just generally, uh, what sort of advice do you have? Well, um, again, some of it comes down to thinking actively about this topic, right? Thinking about the roles that you want to fill, that you don't want to fill, and that you um, are sort of, you find yourself filling over the course of the semester, you know? Um, And so uh, just actively think about it, right? Have it actually in your mind um, as you teach. I mean, 
you know, in terms of other advice for, for new TAs, uh, some of this, I guess, is just sort of general mm -hmm. advice. I mean, yeah. a lot of this comes down to planning, right? Planning out the semester. Um, I remember when I started making spreadsheets for my classes, and oh my God, it was so helpful <laughs> to have a spreadsheet with the full semester listed all of you know basically columns for like here's what we're doing in class that day here's what assignments are due that day here's what assignments are assigned that day and here's what assignments are returned that day and I mean there's even like color coding involved <laughs> like you can get really involved in this but it really does help a lot right yeah. and then you can look at it and see you know um, like, for example, in classes that I teach, there will be days where our, we're spending the whole class period talking about the texts, it's like a big group discussion, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm going to fill different roles that day based on that activity. And so, for example, you know, moderator is the biggest one because it's really important for us as the instructors in that kind of activity to not dominate the conversation. Right. We have to keep it moving and we have to keep it civil, which is another another thing we have yeah. to be paying attention to. But we don't want to talk too much and we don't want to overtake it. Right. One of the things I always tell my students is I'm not afraid of silences. Mm -hmm. like if I ask you a question and no one is is talking and 30 seconds go by, you know, a lot of people will just jump in and sort of say, well, I need to move the conversation along, so this is what the answer was. Sometimes you have to do that, mm -hmm. right? Um, but sometimes you can just let them stew for a minute. And <laughs> I'll just say, like, I'm going to give you guys three minutes to think more about this, and then I, I want everyone to have an answer, and I'm going to call on someone at random to have some answer to this question, right? And so... Um, so anyway, being a moderator, that's yeah. going to be your primary role that day. And you have to remember, you know, that means allowing the silences. And that mm -hmm. means uh, sitting in the circle with the students and not sort of standing over them, right? Mm -hmm. You literally will make different decisions about how you occupy the classroom space uh, if your role that day is moderator, right? Whereas the, if you're lecturing or if you're, if you're doing a different kind of activity, your role might be much more like I am in charge of the space right now and everyone's attention will be directed to me and I am controlling the conversation and I am imparting information to you right now that you need to pay attention to. And if you really think about it, your whole manner and attitude really should be different on a day like that than when you're moderating a discussion. Um, your body language, your tone of voice, again, even how you dress maybe, where you position yourself in the classroom, those things could all be different on those different days. And if you actually think about it ahead of time, especially if you're a first-time teacher and, you know, maybe that sort of center of attention role, that imparter of information role at the front of the classroom you know, you might need to, to do some things to make sure you are very comfortable in that role that you wouldn't need to do if you're just moderating a conversation. Absolutely. Great. Um, so I like to ask all of my graduate student guests, um, what uh, strategies do you have that maybe either things you should do or if you like things that you've tried that don't work or whatever um, for balancing two of the broad roles that we have, which is teaching but also research because 
we're here for our PhD. Right. We have to get to, we have to do research right. to graduate. Yeah, that's a very good both. point. You know, graduate yeah. student is one of the roles that mm-hmm. we that we fill when yeah. we are also TAs. Um, and it's really important not to forget that, <laughs> um, Absolutely. as your as your advisors will tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I've mentioned some of them already, like planning ahead, mm-hmm. making that spreadsheet for my courses is uh, it's such a small thing, and yet it is so important. Um, I it takes you know usually what I'll do is I'll take an afternoon before the beginning of the semester. And I'll just do that for whatever courses I'm teaching that semester. So I create that day-by-day schedule with all those columns that I mentioned earlier. And then I'll have like grade and attendance sheets. It's all in one spreadsheet. I just keep it all together. And uh, it makes it really easy to just at a glance to see, you know, here's what's coming up. Because students will ask you that too. They'll say like, you know, when's the final exam? Or when is our last? Because they're also planning ahead. They Mm -hmm. have, you know, remember they have other classes that they're taking. That's that pragmatism Mm -hmm. thing that I was talking about earlier. Um, It's, I I think it's ridiculous for us to treat it like they're only taking our class. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of professors do that, but it's just, that's not going to be helpful for anybody. Mm-hmm. So so they'll come to you and ask you for thing questions as well about scheduling and everything. And it's really nice to be able to just pull up one spreadsheet and at a glance to be able to say, oh, that paper is going to be due on this date. Um, building in those blank days. Like I usually try to build in, I think, two days that I don't have anything planned. If we end up having class then or you know we can always move them around obviously but like if we end up not needing to miss any days of class then it's just two days that i can use for you know whatever uh, i usually try to do use them for whatever they're having the most trouble with right we're going to have a whole extra day on this text because clearly everyone is having trouble with this one but then if you do need to miss those days or cancel class or or do a take-home activity or whatever it is uh, you don't have to screw up your whole schedule because of it, right? Mm -hmm. So planning, um, paying attention to what's going on in your life. If you have a conference, like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, if you have, if you're prepping for qualifying exams Mm -hmm. or whatever it is that you are doing in your life, you know, if there's a holiday, like think carefully about what you plan for the week of Thanksgiving, for Mm -hmm. instance, Mm -hmm. you know, let's be realistic about what we can expect here. strategize for dealing with your least favorite parts of teaching like so I already mentioned that for me that's grading Mm -hmm. and I think that's probably true for a lot of people it's certainly true for me yeah Uh so uh, again be realistic with yourself about how much you can do at one time when you need to get it done make sure you block off that time Um, you know what I what I've tried to do in the past this doesn't always work but um, I usually am able to teach classes that are at at least on the same day, if not back to back. And so what I'll do is I'll make those days my teaching days. And so on those days, I will do my lesson planning, I will teach my classes, and I'll do some grading. And that way, the rest of the week, I don't even have to think about it, right? Mm-hmm. It's not It's not only that I don't have to do the grading, it's that I don't even have to think about the word grading on other days, and I can just think about the word dissertation. <laughs> um, so, so that's, that's good. Um, leveraging technology, you know, is really important. There's a lot of tools available to us that make our lives easier, but there's kind of a learning curve on it. So you have to, mm-hmm. you know, and this is another good thing to do before the semester starts. 
make sure you know how to use all of the technological tools that are available to you so that if you do want to cancel class and do a take-home activity, you don't have to spend three hours on Canvas the night before figuring out how it's going to work, right? right? And so that will also free up time for you. Um, there's And there's so much technology can do these days for teaching, you know, that can make our lives easier. Absolutely. So... Um, make sure you actually know what those things are. If your if your uh, university like Rutgers offers teaching with technology workshops, yep. which we offer a lot, like I think quite a um, few, yeah. Like every semester, I want to say there's a, what half dozen or more. Oh, more than that. More than yeah, that, yeah. Definitely. So find out if if your institution offers those things and go check them out, um, yeah. and then that way you can use that because technology really can be a time saver, but only if you learn how to use it. It can be a time really waster if you don't learn how to yeah. use it. So, um, so those are those are a few things that I would tell people. My thanks again to today's guest, Kevin Siegerman. Any resources mentioned on this episode can be found on our show notes, which are on our blog at gsnb.ruckers.edu slash tap dash blog. Notice that the URL has changed. Don't forget that in March, we'll be answering your questions, so send them our way. To keep up to date with all the latest TA Project news, follow us on Facebook or Twitter. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider sharing with a friend. Until next time, thanks for listening.